Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We're starting a series called Follow Me. Uh, really from the scripture uh, where Jesus says that we are to deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and follow him. I want to show it to you uh, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. This is Jesus speaking. He said, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. I want to talk to you about this for the next four weeks. Really, as I was studying about this, a few months ago, the Lord kind of dropped uh, this concept, follow me, uh, and into my heart. And obviously, it's not some new concept. Jesus said, follow me. But the, word, the concept he brought to my attention as I was praying and studying was oftentimes in our culture and our society, we try to be great leaders, and we focus on being great leaders and leading well. And that is important. But we don't focus enough on being good followers. And Jesus didn't say, if you want to be my disciple, lead well. He says, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. We as believers, if we call ourselves Christians, we should be great followers of Jesus. And so really what the Lord kind of dropped in my heart were four phrases that the world says we should follow instead of following Jesus. Phrases like uh, follow your heart, phrases like follow the money, phrases like follow your dreams, and phrases like follow the crowd. We're going to break down each one of those each for the next four weeks, and I'm excited about that. Well, today I want to talk to you about how the world says follow your heart. The world says follow your heart. Many of you have probably heard me say this before, but the concept of following your own heart is the most foolish concept on the planet. Why? Because I want to show it to you in Proverbs chapter 4 in, in verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for out of it springs the issues of life. For out of it spring the issues of all of life. It doesn't say, you know what, follow your heart above all else. Because if you follow your heart above all else, you're going to have a lot of issues. That's what it would say. No, it says guard your heart above all else. Why? Because out of it springs, everything comes from the heart. Out of the heart comes all the issues that we face on this planet between ourselves. And then in, in Luke uh, not Luke, excuse me, in, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things, wicked and desperately wicked, who can know it? Now the world says, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Seek your heart. If your heart feels it, run after it. But right here in the scripture, the Bible says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Nothing on this planet is more deceitful than our own hearts. And it is desperately wicked. And who can know it? So if the heart is deceitful and the heart is wicked, why is it that we would seek to follow it or, 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 or pursue it? It's because in our world today, everybody desires to just do what they feel and they think that is what's going to lead to health. That's what's going to lead to joy. That's what's going to lead to peace. But in fact, that is what leads to shame, to guilt, to regret. For all of us in the room and online, we know if you followed your heart outside of what God has called you to do, more than likely you led you to a place of where you regret regretted it because that's where the, lead, the heart leads us. Why? Because the heart is deceitful. Scripture says it. And so I want to talk to you today from the concept of how we are to deny ourselves, the scripture says, meaning this, we're to deny following our heart. 
denying the concept of following our heart relationally. I want to talk to you about today, really. And so I'm going to talk to marrieds in the room. I'm going to talk to singles in the room. I'm going to talk to the in-betweeners in the room for those that are engaged. I really want to share and show you things that our hearts can just begin to cause us to begin to follow when we realize it's not the way God desires for us to live relationally. That being said, if you're married in the room, many of you have probably been married longer than Ashley and I. Many of you probably know it better than Ashley and I. I'm not up here to try to teach you something new. If you're married in the room, I'm here to try to remind you of things that are how God desires for us to live relationally with our spouses. That being said, if you're single in the room, I'm not saying that I know more than you. That's not what it is. I'm just trying to remind you and how God desires and what he's called you to do in your life of being single. I believe this. I believe that God has called us to deny our hearts and take up our cross and follow him. And I want to show that to you today as we go through the scripture. So I'm going to read to you some scriptures and then I want to just talk to you about different deceptions that the heart that will try to deceive us with, different lies that the heart will try to deceive us with. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, very famous scripture. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. One of the lies of, of, of relationships that the heart tries to tell us, one of the things that we can dis- be deceived by relationally is that the relationship goes first. That the relationship comes first. If you are married in the room, the, th- the lie of the heart is that this relationship is the most important relationship of my life. And that is a lie. If you're dating someone in the room, if you're dating in the room, if you're someone that maybe you've been spending time with and you think this relationship is the most vital important, no. If you're single in the room, you think getting married and having a relationship is the most important relationship. No. We read it right here in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. That seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Our relationship with Christ should always come first. Anytime that we put our spouse or any relationship of go- above God, we make that relationship an idol. And that if that relationship is an idol, the scripture says, we all, we all know it, that then here's what happens. That that, the scripture says in the Old Testament, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the Ten Commandments, don't put any idol above God. Here's what it is. When we make it above God, that relationship, over time we know anything that we put above God will fail. Anything that we put above God will, will collapse at some point. And so Christ has to be the center of our relationships. And so he's first, meaning this. What does that look like? It means if you're married in the room, spending time praying and spending time reading your word and studying the scripture, don't just lean on your, your spouse's relationship with God. Don't just use your spouse's relationship as a means of being spiritual and being close to God. Don't just use your spouse's passion to come to church, to be involved in church. No, make sure that Christ is first in your life. Why? Because if any relationship is above that, it's going to become an idol. And if if that's an idol, at some point that idol will fall and it will cause you pain, regret, and shame. If you're dating in the room, put Christ first. Don't worry so much about who to date or when to date. Put Christ first and allow God. God to lead you in your relationships. So important that we understand this. It's a lie that the enemy says. Our heart will tell us. It's this concept that will deceive us. Are the relationships first? No, if I put the relationship first, I know that relationship will fall. I want to put Christ first because I know he is the foundation of my life. No other relationship. Amen? Another lie is, for those that are married in the room and have children, kids come first. 
Kids come first. Oftentimes we see relationally when parents, they are so consumed with their children because, again, children take a lot of time. We know this. And we spend all of our energy and all of our, our effort and all of our, our mental capacity on, on loving our child and feeding our children and taking our children to soccer practice and basketball practice and football practice and every other practice you could think of and swimming practice and cheerleading practice and belly practice. And there are so many practices, we don't even know which one we're going to. And we get so busy with doing all these things that we can put the child or the children first and it can cause us to become relationally hindered with our spouse. Here's what I know. I've seen it so many times. And again, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I just want to give you practical steps to help you and remind you as we walk together relationally with God that here's what happens. If my child is first, at some point, my children are going to grow up and my children are going to leave. And so I've seen it so often where the child comes first and then the children leave. They become home, uh, empty nesters and then they're clueless relationally on how to live life together. Their love was based on the children and focusing so much on attention that they don't even really know each other anymore. And now they struggle relationally with one another. Your spouse should always come before your children. <gasps> well, my child is so important to me. Yes, they should be very important to you, but not more important than your, than your spouse. Why? Because that's the relationship God gave you to have the child. But again, I'm not saying children aren't important, but it's important that you understand the relationship with your spouse should come first. Why? Because you need to model that for your children. You need to model that for your children that they see mom loves dad so much that she would do anything for him. That dad loves mom so much that he would go out of his way anytime to serve her and love her. Your, your children need to see this. Why? Because I'm telling you, what your children see is what they will live their, how they will live their life and what they will model. Well, it's, it's what the way, way they live their life. If you want your spouse to be first in their life, if you want their spouse to be first in their life, then you need to show them that's the way God desires for us to do it. A lie is that kids come first. Another lie is that work comes first. Work comes first. Here's the lie that the enemy tries to play in our hearts. It, the, the enemy tries to play that, you know what, I have to work this much because I have to provide for my family. That's a lie. You're like, what do you mean? God's called me to be a provider. Yes, that's true. God has called us to provide for our families and work for our families. But in the end, the ultimate provider for our family is not us. I am not the, ult I am not the provider. Ashley's not, we are not, we are not the ultimate providers. Yes, we work to earn a living. Yes, to pay for things for our families. But I am not the ultimate or she is not the ultimate provider. Who is? God is. And so I'm not gonna put work above my spouse or above my child. Why? Or my children, for those who have multiple children. Why? Because if I do that, here's what's happening. I'm modeling and showing them that work and money is more important than they are. And what happens is we begin to distance ourselves relationally with our spouses or become to dis distance ourselves with our children. And then our children grow up not really knowing us because they know dad or mom is always working and I'm always with so-and-so. It's important that you understand, yes, work is important, but work should never come before your spouse and before your children. It's what, the way God set up. It should be Christ. It should be, it should be your spouse. It should be your ch children. And then it should be your workplace. And I know this is so simplistic and you're like, oh, I got it. I do know that. I know it's simplistic. But so oftentimes our priorities are off. Because, by, and again, you want to know what your priorities look like in your life? Look at your time. What are you spending your time on that you're going to quickly know what your priorities are? 
you're spending all your time at your workplace, more than likely, you're probably, you're probably putting your work above your spouse or your relationship. If you're spending all your time on your relationship and no time with God, and all you're doing is dating, or all you're doing is spending time, time, time with God, with, with, with a relationship, more than likely, your relationship with God is probably not first. If you want to know what your priorities look like, evaluate your time. Let's keep going. First Thessalonians chapter 5. In verse 11, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. I want to talk to you about deceptions, about making an effort and making an effort and working on our relationships. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Comfort one another and edify, meaning this, build one another up. The purpose of the relationship should be in your heart is to build that other person up. The pur- if you're married to somebody or you're dating someone, the purpose of why I'm in this relationship is not so this person can satisfy me, not so this person can make me happy, not so this person can do things for me. It's so that I can build this person up and help them become who God has called them to be. Help them to continue to follow Christ, building one another, another up. And so here are some deceptions about making an effort to do that. I know this, that every good thing in our lives takes effort. Every good thing that we have in our lives takes effort. If you have a good job and you're making good money, it's because you've made an effort to work hard. If you're physically fit and you, 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 you work out or you exercise, it's because you've taken an effort and done that so now that you're fit. You can't just sit on a couch. Think about how ridiculous it would be. You say, you know what, I want to gain 10 pounds or I want to lose 10 pounds. And so then you sit on the couch and you watch TV and three weeks later you're like, man, I didn't lose those 10 pounds or Man, I didn't gain those pounds. Why? Because you didn't make an effort. You know, if I want this, I have to make an effort to exercise to make this happen. It's the same thing relationally. If we want a healthy relationship, we can't just say we want a healthy relationship and then just sit and just hope it happens. No, we have to work to make and build a healthy relationship. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay, good. I want to give you a couple of lies that the heart will deceive us about, and that is this. Communication isn't my thing. Communication isn't my thing. You can talk to any marriage counselor you've ever talked to, and they will all say the same exact thing. Anyone. They'll say communication is the key to a healthy relationship. All of them. They will all tell you communication is the, is the, mo- is the most important thing in the relationship. And so we can oftentimes know this, but we can get to the point in our lives, for those that are married or if you're dating someone, we can get to the point where we say, well, you know what, I'm not really a t- much of a talker. You know what, I work so hard and I'm, we're always talking at work and I'm always meeting with people. And so now when I get home, I just don't feel like talking. Well, that's fine. That may be true, but we have to remember communication is key to a healthy relationship. So that means if I'm spending all my energy on the workplace and my words on the workplace, I probably need to hold off and make sure I'm saving energy for the, for, for the home life. Does that make sense? Many of you probably know this, but they say statistically that 20,000 words are spoken by a woman every single day. 20,000. Ladies, that's a lot of words, okay? They say statistically, ladies spend the average of 20,000 words come out of their mouth every single day. They say men, men, you probably know this, ladies, you definitely know this. They say men spend an average of 7,000 words every single day. Ladies, you almost tripled us, you know what I'm saying? Y'all know how it is, ladies, they get home, you get home, you want to talk, you want to chat, you want to talk about all these things, and all he says is, I'm good. 
You want to know about how's the work day, what was happening? You go into what happened with Karen and what happened with Susan and what Jenny said and all these things. And you're like, oh, can you believe it? And he's like, I can't believe it. <laughs> and she's like, well, what, are you, what about you? What did you do? What happened at your work? And like, nothing. Well, no, like something happened. No. That's all the words he's got. Here's the thing. We have to understand this. Just because we communicate differently, women communicate different than men, and men communicate different women, does not mean that we don't make an effort to try to work together, communicate, and be able to have conversation with one another to continue to grow and build one another up. Women just talk more than men. I remember a friend told me that they, they, were, they, were, they were with their wife, and he got a text message, and his text message says, would you pray for Tom? He just got in an accident. He got in a bad accident. Would you pray for Tom? He read the text message. He says, man, I got to pray for Tom. I need to, I need to, I, let me go tell my wife. He goes to the kitchen. He tells his wife, he says, babe, I, we, need to, we need to pray for my wife. We need to pray for Tom. I just got a text message. He's in an accident. And she says, how bad was the accident? He says, I don't know. I just got a text that he was in an accident. So we need to pray for him. She says, well, who was in the car with him? I don't know. I just got a text message that says he was in an accident. Okay, well, were the kids with him? I don't know. It says the text message that he got an accident and we should pray for him. She says, well, were the people that, were, that, that got an accident with him in the other car, were they okay? I don't know. I just got a text that says he was in an accident and we need to pray for him. She says, well, I don't know. I, you don't know anything. What do you know? I know that Tom got an accident <laughs> and we need to pray for Tom. We communicate different, but here's the thing. We have to make sure that we're taking time, even though that we communicate different, we're taking time for one another and making an effort to say, I desire to spend energy and effort to build a healthy relationship. Nothing that we do and nothing that we have is not successful without effort and building and working on what it is. If you want a healthy relationship, you got to be willing to build and make it work. It's Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15, it says this, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a person who listens to advice is wise. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a person who listens to advice is wise. Communication isn't my thing is a lie, but then also I'm always right is a lie. I'm always right. There was someone that said marriage is a relationship where one person is always right. Marriage is a relationship where one person is always right and the other one is the husband. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I would say this. We can get into these arguments, and this is not just with your spouse. This can be dating relationships. This could be with friendships. If you always feel like you have to be right, you probably need to check your heart. There's probably something going on somewhere in your heart. And again, here's what it is. I would say this. It's not whether who's right or wrong in the relationship. I would say this. The one that's willing to admit they're wrong first is right. The one who is willing to admit they're wrong first is right. It's not, well, you were right because you said this or I was wrong because I said this. No, it's I'm willing to admit. So you know what? Why? Because I know this relationship is more valuable to me than being right or wrong. I'm more, I care more about you than I do my own pride. And so it's important for us to say as we're in conversation, we're making an effort. And again, our pride will rise up and they'll say, no, I'm right. No, I have it. No, I know. Now you may know, you may know, but in the end, the relationship is more important with what, than whether you know or don't know. And so in the end, we should be able to work with one another and, and work, to work together and walk it out. Make sense? Make sense? Okay. First Corinthians chapter seven in verse 
5. It says, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time uh, that you devote yourself to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Another lie of the heart is this, intimacy is a weapon. And for those that are married in the room, we can, we can sometimes use intimacy or people can sometimes use intimacy as a weapon. And the scripture says right here in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, don't deprive one another. And, and if you're single in the room, you're like, oh, I would never do that. Oh, my gosh. No, we would never. But if you're married in the room, it can happen. You can, use, you can use intimacy as a weapon of you being frustrated, and so you'll hold off on your spouse, or you'll, 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 you won't be as intentional with your spouse. And the Bible says that we are not to do that. The, actually, the Scripture actually says in the same verses that Paul says, he says that your body is not your own, that you've given your body to your spouse. And so it's important that we say, okay, I want to use intimacy. Why? To, to grow closer to one another, not to use it as a weapon, as an attack mode to, to harm the other person. Does that make sense? All right. Let me keep going here very quickly. Okay. And then here's another one. Uh, here's another one um, of Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 18. Just talking about deceptions of the heart. Very practical today, but I felt like this is what the Lord was telling me to share. It says in verse 18, it says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice. Excuse me, in the wife of your youth. Here's another lie of the heart: I love you, but I don't have to like you. Come on, somebody! I love you, but I don't have to like you. This is a lie of the enemy, and this can happen just through mundane life where you're just walking together and you're living together and you're, you're just married together and you're doing all the things you gotta do with work and school and you have no time for one another. And here's what happens. Relationally, we start to distance ourselves with one from one another in our hearts to the point of where we love them, but now we don't even really like them. They're just roommates. And this is not the heart of God. The heart of God is that we would continue to rejoice and enjoy the spouse. It says wife, but really the spouse of our youth. Whenever you, you got married, I always tell people, okay, if you're at the place where you feel like you've been distancing yourself from your relationship with your spouse, go back to what it is that caused you to fall in love. What is it that you did? What is it that you were doing that caused you to fall in love with that person that you said, I choose to do, live life with this person for the rest of my life? What is it? I would tell you, find moments and ways to laugh together. Find ways, it says rejoice. Find ways to laugh together. Listen, it could be the silliest thing and maybe you and your spouse are the only ones that would ever laugh at it. Doesn't matter. Find ways to laugh together. Why? Because laugh, laughter brings this joy and this connection. I would say this. I know it's the most cliche saying on the planet. If you're married. And I'm going to talk to the singles in a minute. Don't worry. It's coming for you too. But for the married right now, I would tell you this, and it's the most cliche thing, but date your spouse. I know we hear it all the time. I know we hear the, I know we hear it. We hear, oh, date my spouse, date your spouse. I'm telling you, it's one of the most fundamental, but it's one of the most important things that will help continue to build you and allow you to become close to your spouse, date your spouse. And people are like, oh, well, I don't have any money for that. I can't afford that. Or I don't have any time for that. And we don't have, we don't have any time between, between the kids, between work, between church, between all the, we just don't have any time. I can't afford it. I would say this. Instead of saying I can't afford to do it, I would say this. You can't afford not to do it. Make it a priority in your life. Date your spouse. Ladies, if you're waiting for him, stop waiting. Ask him. Say, babe, we're going out. I got a babysitter. Oh my gosh, we can't afford a babysitter. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Gentlemen, what would it look like for you to romance her? What, remember when you were dating her and you did all the weirdest things 
that nobody would ever think was cool and you thought it was the greatest thing ever. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like you did the weirdest things. You know what I'm saying? Like you thought of the most, you like wrote her a poem. You know what I'm saying? Like you would never read the poem to anybody on the planet. But when you were dating, you read the poem and she thought it was the greatest poem ever. Now you read the poem and you're like, dude, burn that thing to the ground. Come on, somebody. No, just, okay, it doesn't matter. Here's the thing. What would it look like for you to date your spouse? Find moments, find things. And you can do things for free. Go walk, go, go walk in the park. Go, go, go walk around the mall and don't buy anything. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, find ways to get together and date your spouse. Why? And again, I would tell you, if, you, if you're financially unable to do that and you're, you're financially unable to do a, have a babysitter, figure out ways where you can, you can do it during the day, where you have lunch dates, where your baby's in the, at school or your baby's in the daycare, whatever. Find ways to date your spouse. It is so important. I know it's the most cliche thing, but it's so important that you enjoy life with one another for those that are married in the room. Very quickly as we continue on, I want to talk to you about the deceptions of singleness. The deceptions of singleness. I want to, for those that are single in the room, here we go. Okay, Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 14. It says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Deceptions of singleness. We can oftentimes, our hearts can be deceived and we can think, you know, I'm single and because I'm single, I'll, I'll always be single. Once single, always single. That's not true at all. There's a lie of the enemy and a lie of the heart that says, because I'm single right now means I guess it's just the way it's always gonna be. No, that is not the case. That is not the case at all. The scripture says to wait on the Lord. Why? Because the Lord knows the right time. And if you're single in the room, I wanna encourage you. Just because you're single right now does not mean you will be single forever. It means that this is not the right season for you. And so if it's not the right season for you, that means the season you are in is the season God wants you in. And so that means it's the season that God wants you to enjoy. It's the season that will bring you the most fulfillment in your life. Meaning this, you would be less fulfilled if you were with someone in the season that you were in of being single. But the world has this concept, it's the weirdest thing, of this concept of, okay, well, I'm single, so because I'm single, I, I need to be, I have to have somebody in order to be somebody or in order to feel something or to be secure in myself, I have to be, no. It does, that's not what it means. It means this, just because you're single does not mean you're less than, single just means this. It means that you have a season where you're able to pursue and seek God and work on yourself more than you ever will, you ever will for the rest of your life. Enjoy the season that you're in. Because again, once you're, it's not once single, always single. Another lie, a deception of the heart the enemy will tell singles is, I can fix them, I can fix them. Let me just encourage you, you are not Joanna Gaines. And let me just encourage you, this is not a fixer-up reality TV show. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not it. You, that is not who, no, that is not who you are. You are, not, you are not called to fix someone. In fact, I would say this. If you have the weight of trying to fix someone, that relationship's going to fail. Because we are not ones that make each other whole. In fact, I'll say this. Oftentimes for those that are dating or those that are single or those that are engaged and married people can amen me for a second. But oftentimes we think when we get into a marriage relationship, it's gonna fix our flaws. But marriages, marriage does not fix our flaws. It exposes them. For those that are married in the room, you know what I'm talking about? Like you realize, oh my gosh, I'm so much more selfish than I thought I was. You start to realize, oh my gosh, I'm so consumed. Oh my gosh, I always want to be served. And oh my gosh, I always want people to take care of me. Oh my, I, and so well, here's what happens. 
It's exposing the flaws that we have. And so then if we're not careful, if we get into the relationship to be fixed or to fix them, now we're even less satisfied in the relationship because we realize they are not what fulfills us. Only Christ is what can make us. He is the only one that can make us whole in our hearts. And so I would say in your season of singleness, don't get caught up in, oh, I can fix them. No, leave them alone. Let God work on your heart. Let God work on their heart and let you both become whole. And then in the right time, God will bring the right person into your path. Be patient and wait on the Lord. You don't have to try to fix them. Here's a good one. Good looking, but not godly. Lie of the enemy. Good looking, but not godly. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? They got the looks, but they ain't got the, they ain't got the, they ain't got the brains. You know what I'm saying? They don't, they don't love Jesus. You know, the world says, and the heart will say, and this is the, how the world thinks, is the first attraction, in order to be attracted, in order to pursue, I have to be attracted physically. Then from being attracted physically, I need to connect and see if I can attract, be attracted emotionally. And then from being attracted emotionally, then after being physically attracted and emotionally attracted, now I'll see, are we spiritually connect? Can we spiritually connect? Are we spiritually attracted? Well, I, I, it's so funny. I talk to singles all the time. I'm like, I'm like, oh, great, awesome. Oh, you're dating someone. Oh, do they, do, they, do they go to church? That's my kind of my way of kind of starting. Like, oh, well, yeah, they kind of like every once in a while, like go to like, uh, it's like, wait, what'd you just say? Oh, they sometimes like go to like, so they, they don't, so they go, do they, do they go to a church or do they not? What do they do? And like, oh, well, you know, like I've been trying to get them to come to church, but like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The, the attractions start with spiritual, not a phys- physical. See, the world's got it backwards. They say physical, emotional, spiritual. We should be, I'm attracted, if you're single, I'm attracted spiritually. They are so in love with God that it's driving me to love God more. This is what you should be looking for in a relationship, not, oh my gosh, he's got a six pack. Because let me tell you something, ladies, gentlemen, you better amen me to death. Let me tell you something, ladies, the six pack's gonna fade. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm saying? And if you're married in the room, you know a long time ago it faded, ladies. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I don't even, he's got a keg, you know what I'm saying? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Don't be attracted so much so naturally in the physical world because let me tell you something, that fades. But do they love Jesus? If they don't love Jesus, don't give them the time of day. Not just like, oh, they kind of go to church. No. Do they love Jesus? Are they pursuing Jesus? By the way they pursue Jesus, are they challenging me to love Jesus more? For those that are married in the room, are you living for Jesus and loving God so much so that your spouse sees you and says, man, because they study the word so much because they pray so much because they worship and want to get involved so much I got to drive myself to be closer to Jesus this is what relationships should be not oh we're physically attracted so let's just get together no I see that you love Jesus so much and my heart is to love Jesus and so I'm driving myself closer to Jesus because of you if you're single in the room Be attracted not because of the way that they look, but because of the way that they're pursuing God. And you may say, oh, there's nobody like that. I can't find anybody like that. And that's a great time for you to say, read the scripture that I just read. Wait on the Lord. You're like, oh, well, there's never going to be somebody like that. Okay, so you're the only single person on the planet that loves Jesus. Prideful. 
There will be the right person at the right time, and they are pursuing Jesus just like you are. But you have to be patient and wait. Don't get caught up and because some, so-and-so said they're attractive or because so-and-so has so many followers or because so-and-so is like the influencer. None of that matters. Do they love Jesus? If not, don't get involved. Man, that's radical. Yeah, it is. Why? Because we all know, every one of us in this room and online, we all know when we pursue for other reasons other than Jesus, it leads to regret. Just me? Okay, just me. It leads to regret. And so when you evaluate, don't just get caught up in, oh, they're good looking. No, are they godly? Are they pursuing God? Are they, do they have a relationship with God? Just talking to the singles for a minute. Here's another one. I didn't hear anything, so I guess it's fine. I didn't hear anything. I prayed. You know, we get into prayer. We're like, oh, we, we got a little boo that we see. And like, oh, Lord, like, is this somebody that, like, loves you? And should, should, I, should I, you know, yeah, they like me. And so should I, should, I, should I date them or should I go out with them? And when we wait for two seconds, like, I guess that means yes. <laughs> now, wait on the Lord. You don't have to be in a hurry. Here's this. I would say this. If you feel like you have to be in a hurry to get into the relationship, the relationship's probably off. Why? Because if it's God, if it's God bringing you together, the Bible says no man can take it and tear it apart. So you're like, oh well, he may date somebody else. Well, good, go date somebody else because you ain't for me anyway. Oh well, he's texting six other girls. Well, guess what? You shouldn't be one of the six. Respect yourself enough. Too much? Respect yourself enough, gentlemen in the room. You're like, oh, well, she's like the hottest girl in the, in the city. And like, she got all these other dudes pursuing her. Go ahead. Because let me tell you something. You may be the hottest, but I know I got what I got and it's good enough. Why? Because if it's the right person, it's not going to have to feel like it's in a rush. No, wait on the Lord. Seek the Lord. Ask him. And then when you hear God speak, then you move. I would say not just hear God speak for yourself because sometimes we'll think it's God and it's not God. You know what I'm saying? You're like, Lord, is he the one? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Okay, he's the one. No, like I would get your godly friends around you and ask, hey, as you're, as you're walking together, hey, how do you feel about this person? What do you, what do you see about this person? And allow God, God's influence around you to speak to you as well. So important. Lastly, as I close today, lastly, as I close today, single means sad. Single means sad. This is such a horrible concept that the world puts in our lives, and that is that if we're single, that means that we're less than. That something's missing in our life. That something's broken about us. That means I'm not good enough, or I'm not pretty enough, or I'm not cool enough, or I just, that, that, is, the, that is the most, most ridiculous concept on the entire planet. Single does not mean sad. It's a season of your life. That would be like saying summer's great and winter's sad. No, it's summer's incredible. And so is winter. Why? Because each season brings its own purpose. And so we can get so caught up in being frustrated and sad about being single that we can miss the enjoyment and the fulfillment of the season God is bringing us today. If you're single in the room, you're not less than. If you're single online, you're not less than. In fact, you know what's crazy? And married people, you may even know this, you may not. Do you know what's crazy? The Bible says if you're single, you're actually better than. Paul says it, it's actually better if you're single than if you're married. 
well, what are you saying for those that are married? What are you saying? My life's not, no, that's not what he's saying. Because he says this, he says, it's better that you're single, why? Because you have more time to pursue God and grow in yourself than any other time in your life. And so single's not sad, single's not, I would encourage you, don't be frustrated and don't be in a hurry and don't, no, let God, don't be insecure and think you're less than because somebody that you like doesn't like you or somebody, who cares about all that? Let all that die in your heart. The scripture says, deny yourself, let the, deny the heart and don't, don't allow insecurity to come in and make you think you're less than because you haven't received something that you're waiting for. No, keep waiting because every good gift, every good gift comes to those who wait. Be patient. Scripture says, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. You're like, man, what does this have anything to do with following Jesus? What are you, this is about marriage and dating. What does this have anything to do with following Jesus? It starts, I love it when he says, follow me. He doesn't just say, follow me. He gives us the first thought and that is this. You gotta deny yourself. You gotta deny the heart. And D.L. Moody said, for those that are married in the room, D.L. Moody said, one of the most incredible phrases, quotes, whatever you could say or think of. And he said, you know what? He said, if you're married, he says, and you can't treat your spouse right, I don't want to hear anything about you being a Christian. If you're married and you can't treat your spouse right, I don't want to hear about you being a Christian. Why? Because the very foundation of Christianity is that we would, we would love the gift of the spouse that God gave us that we would work on denying ourselves and serving them. If you're single in the room, deny yourself the, 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 the need to have something and just say, God, I'm gonna wait on you and trust you because I know in my life, I know, God, as I wait, you're gonna come through like he always does, amen? Let us be a people that follow him by denying our hearts, amen? Can we pray today? Father, I thank you so